0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Illuminate podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Hine, and you're listening to episode 47. Today, I'm talking with Molly Huffman. Molly is the author of the brand new book, The Moon is Round, a true story of extraordinary loss, grief, and the fight for faith. This book, The Moon is Round, recounts Molly's life walking through the death of her mother her eight-month-old son, and then the loss of her marriage as well. There's a lot of grief in this story, but also a lot of hope. Molly's unique experiences with grief and loss have shaped her love of God and his words and have birthed a desire in her to comfort and encourage others with scripture. That last sentence was a quote from the back of her book. It was worded way better than I was going to say it. I am telling you all, I couldn't put this book down when I was reading it. I just, it's written so well and it keeps you wanting to know more, like what's going to happen next. And this is her real life story. It's honest. She talks honestly about her struggles in this book and her broken dreams. But there's also a peace, a sense of peace in this book as well that I hope you will all get from the interview and the book if you choose to read the book. I will put the link to the book in the show notes at theilluminatepodcast.com. Uh, you guys can find Molly on social media. She is Molly M. Huffman on Instagram. If you guys enjoy this episode with Molly, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. And check out the other podcast in the Sandy Boy Podcast Network, the Up and Running Podcast with Lauren Flores and Abby Stanley. And I'll have another with Lindsay Hine. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Molly Huffman. Well, today on the podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Molly Huffman to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Molly. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, I just finished your book. It was so good. I read it every, every morning. It was my quiet time and it uh-huh. was just so good.
1: Thank you. I am so, so glad you liked it.
0: Yes. The moon is
1: round and now you are an author. How does that feel? It feels like something. It's been uh, a work in progress for a long time. I never really expected to have uh, the title of author, but um, it sure has been fun. And I'm so glad to just get the book out into the world.
0: Yeah. So Molly and I connected and I had, when her book came out, Um, I had a bunch of friends and just random people on Facebook tagging me like, you need to interview Molly for your podcast. And I knew exactly who you were because you didn't realize this at the time, but I remembered you because I was in a mops group with you, which mops is mothers of preschoolers for anybody who doesn't know.
1: Yes. I, when you said that, I, I had no idea that, um, but your name was familiar to me. So I was like, how, how do I know this woman? And uh, so that makes so much sense.
0: Yeah. I was super new to the group right when you were walking through some really, really hard things. And I remember you had Tage with you in mobs in the group. And I I remember sitting from afar, knowing what you were going through, hearing your story, and you would hold him. And I just like – I didn't know you though, so I wasn't going to be this random. Because I don't know, what do you think? There's 50 people, 40 people yes, in the I think group so. mm-hmm. Um, But it's kind of crazy to see someone from afar knowing they're going through something so hard. And now, years later, your book's out, and here we are. I get to interview you about your story.
1: It is so crazy. So crazy. I love it. I love that it came full circle
0: full circle. Um, so we're going to talk about what the book is about, and I would first just love for the listeners to get to know you a little bit. Molly grew up with three sisters. So tell us what your life looked like, you know, growing up here in Indiana.
1: Sure. Well, um, I'm the oldest of the four of us and, um, we had a really, um, it was a really good childhood, um, our parents loved each other and loved us well. And um, we lived by a woods, So we, you know, did a lot of creek stomping and uh, collecting without helmets. And um, it was it was really good. Um, But I do remember one particular summer, I was in fourth grade. And I don't like this boggles my mind, but we didn't have air conditioning in our house yet. And I can remember like every their minds in the middle of July, I'm sure. And you know, babies are crying and toddlers are screaming. And so I remember just stepping out onto the back deck and closing the door and just taking a minute for myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it just so it was crazy. It was crazy and loud, but there's a lot of love and eventually we did get air conditioning. So that (laughs) helped a lot
0: too. (laughs) How old were you?
1: When we got air conditioning?
0: You well, like in that moment that you remember so well
1: that was fourth grade. And I'm pretty sure that before that summer was over, we, we got it. <laughs> so.
0: I just think about that because in the crazy moments now with my kids, you always wonder, what of this are they going to really remember? You yes. know? Because
1: you lose your cool sometimes as a parent. It, right. And, you know, but the things that I remember, they were they're always like, that's some reason. Um, but also, you know, I can remember my mom saying at one point, you know, she wished she hadn't like lost it so much. Mm. And that is not the memory that I have of her from my childhood, you mm. know? So it's so interesting because I'm sure in her mind, she was losing it a whole lot more than she was on the outside. So that's not how I would have described her, <laughs> you know? So
0: yeah, you think oh, we
1: can give ourselves grace
0: <laughs> for sure. But you're like, I don't want my kids to think, oh, mom was always yelling at me and nagging at me for something. It's like, how do you keep order to a home without constantly saying, clean up your clothes, do this, don't yell, don't say that. But also like you kind of have to say those things to teach your kids to 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 be good humans.
1: Exactly. And uh, one thing that my parents did do well was intentionally incorporating fun. Uh, And so, you know, there's this story where – my my mom told us, you guys, I made dessert. You know, and we didn't normally have dessert. You know, it just was like a special thing. So here we are sitting at the table, and she's like, I made dessert tonight, and she pulls this pie out of the fridge. And my dad's like, Oh, what flavor is it? And she says, Key lime, and he uncharacteristically says, Susie, you know my favorite is banana cream, and we all were just kind of like, Dad, this is, what what's going on? You know, and she's like, Well. I'm sorry, Scott. Like I made, I, I thought you'd just be glad that I made a pie. And so they start like arguing and that was unlike them. Like they, they weren't yellers. And, uh, so it keeps rising and rising. And then all of a sudden she's like, well, if you don't want this pie and she shoves it in his face <laughs> at the dinner table. And we all just are like stoned silent, you know? And, then the two of them just bust out laughing and they'd planned the whole thing oh, and there was hilarious. no pie. And so then of course we all took took a turn getting pied in the face and stuff, you know, and uh, that it wasn't hard to do, you know? So I'm like, okay, as a parent now, you know, it doesn't take much to, to do just something, you know, every once in a while to mix things up, be silly, be fun, and the kids will never forget it, you know?
0: Oh, that's so good. I – Just two days ago, I, my son and I did this TikTok video and I poured water (laughs) on him.
1: I saw it. Did you see it?
0: Yes. And he, so we, first of all, we sat together while the other little boys played and like, I was like, uh, what video are we going to do? Like, it can't be a hard dance. I'm not going to spend. 45 minutes trying to learn a stupid TikTok dance. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, Oh, this is perfect because it's like dumping water on him and he'll think that's hilarious. <laughs> and he did. And it was the most fun. And then afterwards, all of the, uh, two of his little brothers did the same thing. Um, and then last night, After swimming lessons, I had a really rough time at swimming lessons, actually. I walked out with a bite mark on my arm from one of my kids because he was so terrified. Um, You should see the bruise. It's like legit. Like it legit looks like I've been abused. um, You're like, it's my
1: kid. It's my kid. It's my
0: kid, not my husband. (laughs) Um, But anyway... It was late. It was like nine, you know, and I was ready for everybody to be in bed. And my husband, all but the baby were in bed. And my husband and the three were just having Alexa play fart noises. Like, (laughs) I mean, for like 30 minutes straight, like play the biggest fart in the world. and It was so gross. And like, (laughs) I just wanted to be done. But I was like, Lindsay, don't yell at everybody to stop and like go to bed because you're tired because they're just having a good time
1: (laughs) they will they are having a good time they'll remember that remember when we played fart noises
0: (laughs) I know on Alexa so oh man anyway well let's let's learn about your story Molly it's a story full of of hope but also sadness and faith and so many things so I touched on knowing you uh, in MOPS when you had baby Tage, um, but you also brought up your mom a little bit in the beginning here. And so uh, she just sounds like such an amazing person from the things you wrote about in your book about her. And uh, maybe walk us through that time in your life when you realized you were
1: truly losing your mom to cancer. Sure. So, um, you know, my dream was always kind of what, what many people, you know, want for their life was just to be married, have a family, live near my family. Um, you know, just live this like happy American dream. And, uh, you know, I really was able to avoid quite a bit of suffering in my life until, um, after college, I, um, got married, um, a couple years after college and, um, you know, we were settling down there in the Indy area. And, um, and then all of a sudden my mom gets diagnosed with melanoma and, uh, I was 23 at the time. And, um, you know, we, we are a family of faith. And so, um, you know, we just prayed so hard and had all these other people praying for us. And, um, I just knew that, that God was going to heal her. And then a year later, um, she was gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with her, some of these dreams that I'd had for myself, because, you know, I wanted to, I wanted her to be the grandma to my children someday. And, you know, she really was just my best friend. She was so fun and wise and, um, kind. And I I just, I could not imagine how in the world I was supposed to continue living without, you know, my favorite person. And, um, And so, you know, it really, that's when kind of life started to take a turn in, in a direction that I'd never planned.
0: Yeah. I, I think that with the faith situation, when people end up losing someone, even though they believed so fiercely that their prayers would be answered, that is when I struggle with faith a lot myself, because I'm like, well, why did, why did that happen then? You know? Yeah. Yeah. H- how did you walk it, through that?
1: Um, I can't tell you exactly where this is. Um, but there is, um, an account in the Bible where, um, Jesus, you know, they asked Jesus, you know, why this man is suffering. Like, what did he do wrong? And Jesus says, you know, this man did nothing wrong. Um, you know, basically God is going to use this to bring people to himself. And, um, you know, it's about that the glory of God would be revealed. And, um, you know, so at first, like thinking about that, I was like, well, God, I don't care about, you know, Mm -hmm. if I was being honest, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Just, I want my mom, you know? Um, and yet I can say that as I walked the you know, those first couple years of grief and, you know, tried for me so many things to numb the pain, whether it was shopping or sleeping or alcohol or staying busy, um, even running sometimes, um, you know, none of those things took away the pain. And so I know I'm supposed to read my Bible, but I think that the Bible is boring. So, <laughs> uh, you know, God, you know, I'll give you one more shot here. And, um, and so, you know, different points in the book, I, I talk about just when like these scriptures that I'd read before that were so boring before suddenly jumped off the page to me. And it was because, um, there was hope and there was, um, comfort. Um, and I really just began to sense God in a new personal way in my life that I had never, um, fully experienced before, you know, it was just sort of this religion. Like I go to church and I pray these prayers and, and all of a sudden I started to experience God, uh, like in, as a relationship, like he was my friend, he was my comforter. He could be the gentleness of a mother to me, you know, and, um, and so it took time, but over through that experience, I could really say that, um, that I did, come to understand God and his love in new ways that changed my perspective completely. And it changed my values. It changed what I lived for, um, during that time. And, um, and I really am so grateful now. Um, but it happened because of the suffering, um, because I was at the end of my rope and the things that I had tried weren't working, um, that I finally was willing to give God a shot, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's. um, I feel like when someone close to you dies, people tend to run away from faith or run to faith. It like it like strengthens it or it really puts a doubt doubt in you. Yes. What's your What do you miss most
1: about your mom? I think just her friendship, you know, there are so many times even now, and she died 11 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And, um, but even now I'll just be like, man, I wish I could just call and talk to mom about this, you know? Um, and yet I was lucky enough to have her for, uh, uh, 24 years that, um, you know, I know what she would say and, Mm. uh, you know, I can, can think about some of those things, but it is, it's just, it's still, there's still a grief, you know, that's never going to go away. And um, it doesn't take me down in the ways that it used to when I would think about her. Um, But I sure do miss her still.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's such a crazy thing losing a parent to once and once you've become a parent, I have not lost a parent, but my mother-in-law passed away when, Um, my third son was one and seeing my husband walk through that, um, just knowing that she wasn't going to know the grandkids, like that's so hard,
1: so hard. And, you know, I, uh, she, like, she doesn't know any of the children I've had or, uh, my nieces and nephews and, um, you know, but I, I can see how her parenting is now impacting, you know, me as a parent Mm -hmm. and, um, my sisters and I, you know, we still talk about her, um, to our children and, um, you know, there's pictures of her in our, in our home and the stories, you know, that we tell. And so, um, one of my nephews, you know, was like, I can't wait to meet, Mm -hmm. we call her Muv, you know, I can't wait to meet Muv someday. And, um, and so, you know, there is this sense that she is still um present in a way, you know. But it it's not the same as a physical presence, that's for sure. But but um yeah.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's um it's wild to hear what the kids will repeat back even after they don't know someone who's been important in your life, you know. Um yeah. one of my sons will always any anytime something good happens or something bad happens, they'll say, do you, do you think grandma Peggy knows? Like, do you think she's watching? What do you think she thinks? And um, I know that means so much to my husband just when he brings her up.
1: Yes. Like that her memory is still alive, that she's still loved, um, you know, and that, that her presence is still making an impact. I, I can see that goodness, that if, if my son ever can talk about my mom, that would just be the best. That would be the best.
0: Yeah. So, so you end up walking through some additional, very challenging life circumstances, um, without your mom. And I think that what you go through next, like that at any time in, in someone's life, when you're walking through hardship, what do you want to do? You want to call your mom. Like, you just want your mom to come over and like rub your back or like show up with a candle that smells good or, you know? And so, um, let's, let's walk through this next phase where you decide you might want to start a family.
1: So, um, it, it took a few years after, after my mom died, we didn't, um, start our family right away, but eventually, um, you know, I was so excited to, to be a mom myself. And, um, so, uh, we ended up losing our first pregnancy to a miscarriage and, um, my mom had had two miscarriages. And so I so badly wanted to, her comfort, you know, I wanted to call her and have her come over and she'd cry with me and, and tell me what it was like for her to lose two babies. And, um, but I also knew from her, Um, you know, we, like our family would hang an ornament on the tree every year for each baby and we talk about them. And so they were part of our lives. We would say, you know, we know that one of them was a boy and we don't know what the other one was, but, um, you know, we would talk about them. And, um, and so, you know, I, I, again, just even without her presence was able to, um, you know, think about like, how do I want to honor this, this life? Um, But, Gosh, it would have been so much better to get to do that with her, you know, um, physically. But um, and so, then a um, a couple years later, we um, decided, you know, to to try again. And um, so, Tage Thomas was born um, in March of 2014, and uh, he was healthy and. Um, just, you know, I, I really remember just thinking, okay, this is it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this will be, this is what I've always wanted. And, um, I was an elementary teacher, so I'd taken the year off from maternity leave and was just so excited to get to spend time at home with him. And, and I loved it. You know, I, I loved after like really having kind of a busy life for so many years, just, um, being involved in things and, and really social, you know, I was, I was excited to just slow down and, um, and be home. And, um, and so that was so great. And then when he was about six months old, um, you know, we really started noticing some things were off. He wasn't smiling or making eye contact. And, um, you know, I'd asked my doctor a couple months before and, um, you know, she's like, no, it's, it's fine. You know, he's just gonna develop slowly, a little slower and it's fine. Um, but I just really started to feel unsure, um, and so we got a second opinion, and uh, the doctor immediately sent us for blood work, and um, something was wrong. Tage was failing to thrive, um, and so then we were sent to um, specialists. I think, and um, basically uh, that appointment led to being admitted to the hospital um, for muscle impairments and, um, low birth weight. And so they knew something was going on. And, um, so we were there for a week. Um, they did a lot of tests and, um, told us that TAGE had, uh, a mitochondrial disease that was genetic, um, called Lay's disease. It's very, very rare. Um, but they told us that it it is terminal and babies with this disease don't live to their first birthday. Mm. Um, and I just remember the room spinning, you know, mm. um, because those are just the words that you always dread. And then there they were and it was to us. And, um, you know, I just can remember the agony of like, no, I don't want this to be our story. And, mm. um, And yet I had also this little whisper, um, you know, I'd seen how, how God had grown me through the loss of my mom, um, what I learned about him during that time. And, um, and I, there was just this tiny whisper at the same time that, that said, it's, it's going to be okay. I'm going to make it okay. And, you know, so that didn't take away the pain at all, of course, but, you know, I just wanted to, I wanted to be able to trust that, that it would be okay someday. Um, and then we took him home and, um, got to have two more beautiful and excruciating months, um, with him, um, before he passed away in November. And, um, you know, it really was just unlike anything I'd ever experienced, um, And yet, as I write about in the book, um, I was so upheld by friends and family who came around us during that time and our church community. Um, and it's just, I will never, ever forget, you know, the, uh, the balance of receiving all this love while also feeling so much grief, you know?
0: Yeah. When you, got the official diagnosis. Were you expecting something super serious? Like, did you know it was probably going to be pretty bad? Or were you kind of thinking, okay, uh, our child might have a pretty severe disability
1: his whole life. Like,
0: were you, was your heart prepared to hear he, this would be terminal?
1: No. Yeah. Uh, you know, or, originally I was, I thought, okay, maybe, you know, the eye contact and lack of, um, verbal skills and things. I thought, well, maybe he's autistic, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, which now I realize they don't diagnose autism that young, but, um, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know. So I thought, okay, we're there, there's something going on. Um, but I didn't think it would be any physical, um, disability, you know, or anything like that, which is ultimately what it ended up being. Um, and so, yeah, I was not prepared to hear the word terminal. That was not on my radar at all.
0: Yeah. I can't even imagine how that must have, have felt. And, you know, throughout the book, it is a resounding theme that your people really came to your side. I kept thinking, I, I hope I have that many friends if something bad ever happens to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I really do think um, – you know, I, I think that there is some grace there. Where okay, if I was going to be walking this really difficult road of suffering, you know, the the gift in it was that there were people placed in my life who could walk beside us. You know, um, but I think it's so important too. It it reminds me of the importance of community, and it's so easy. I think sometimes when we have children, to just You know, our little tiny circle under our roof becomes the most important. And of course it is the most important, but it, I would hope that I won't let it ever be my only circle, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because we need, we need people around us for hardship and to be able to help, you know, our friends who are going through hardship. And, um, so it really was such, such a gift during that time.
0: Yeah. I think people get scared. Like, I don't want to bug the person that's, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be a burden and show up or, you know, text them, but you can always not respond. Right.
1: Exactly. And, you know, people would, um, would reach out in different ways, maybe sort of at the level of our friendship. So if it was an acquaintance, there might be, um, you know, just a, a text or, or something or, um, you know, a group of acquaintances of mine knew that I liked to run. And so they put together um, a, a bag of um, brand new running gear, you know, so mm, that I could go I de-stress um, by okay, running. Yeah. Yes. And people were just so creative. At, and really, it's it's anything. I think um, I remember the people who did something, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, if they sent some groceries over and they weren't my favorite foods. I don't remember, like yeah. that, that's not what's important to me, you know, but it's like, oh my gosh, they dropped off a bag of groceries on our doorstep mm-hmm. or they organized a meal train or they, um, you know, sent a, a gift in the mail or a handwritten note or, uh, you know, just any of those things. I think, I think no matter what we do, it shows people that we care and that we're thinking about them and that is ultimately what matters.
0: Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Molly. I'm excited to thank a sponsor for this podcast episode. Today's sponsor is HelloFresh. HelloFresh gives you fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. This is America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers so many recipes to choose from each week to help you break out of your recipe rut. My personal favorite is an in in Israeli couscous recipe that we discovered through HelloFresh. My family loves it. HelloFresh is flexible. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences and skip a week whenever you need. And HelloFresh is committed to giving back, which is super important to us here on the Illuminate podcast. They donated over 2.5 million meals to charity in 2019 and this year is stepping up their food donations amid the coronavirus crisis. HelloFresh is also committed to sustainability. Their pre-portioned ingredients mean there's less prep for you and less food waste. So you all can go to hellofresh.com/illuminate80 and use code illuminate80 to get a total of $80 off including free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. Again, that's HelloFresh.com Illuminate80 and use the code Illuminate80. All right. Enjoy the rest of my conversation with Molly Huffman. Okay. So as you're walking through all of this with Tage, um, well, you're in a marriage that you aren't in anymore. Was that like Were do you remember that time as feeling distant from your ex-husband? What was that like?
1: Um, There was distance. And I think it's one of those things where you don't even really realize how distant it is until you step away from it completely or you, um, you know, experience marriage again as in you know, now able to be like, oh, wow. Yeah, I think my husband and I now would have handled some of that very differently. But in the moment, um, you know, everyone is coping. Everyone is, um, you know, just thinking about Tage and trying to make it through the day, you know? Um, and so my ex-husband worked a lot, um, during that time. And, um, so we really weren't around each other, uh, as much, as I wish we would have been, you know, um, but I didn't even recognize that at the time. Um, but I can, I can see it now.
0: Yeah. I was thinking about that throughout the story, knowing, you know, what ends up happening and kind of like, you know, when you read someone's story, you put yourself in, in that person's shoes, like what would we do? And, and all that, like, would it create distance and, you know, one of the facts you mentioned in the book is that um when when p- parents lose a child like the rate
1: of divorce goes up is that right yes now i have i have seen that's what i had always been told okay. and so i you know was trying to write the book like in sort of present day as much as possible um that is what i'd always been told um but then I've i've seen other statistics that maybe that's not the case. Okay, so maybe but, that's um, not true. But I was aware of, you know, I, I was like, oh well, this this can happen, but it won't be us because yeah. you know we just won't be us.
0: <laughs> because we have our faith and our We have our
1: faith. We're committed, you know. Um and even after Tage died, we went to a, a grief retreat together and and recommitted our marriage. And um, you know, but now looking back I can see that it had been unraveling for quite a while and I just didn't even know it. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, it takes two people to make a marriage work. And, um, and so I didn't realize at the time that if somebody wants out, you know, they're, they're out.
0: So walking through losing your son again in the book, you talk about this as well again, you cling to your faith to get through that. So it's like that same question with your mom though. Here, here we are again. Why? Yes. And how do you do, how do you walk through that?
1: Well, and that was, you know, my biggest question was like, have I not suffered enough? Yeah. You know, like none of my other friends have lost a parent yet. Uh, None of my other friends had had a miscarriage yet. Um, And so it just, it, felt unfair. Um, but you know, as I would, so after, after Tate had died, I still had my maternity leave time. So, uh, my ex-husband would go to work and then I was home alone all day with all this time. And, um, so I started using it to again, read the Bible, kind of picked back up and, um, and I just, I found, I I learned a new way to pray because I had always, um, grown up, you know, being told to be joyful in all things, give thanks in all circumstances. Um, and of course, you know, you can, you know, praise God for who he is, those types of prayers. But, um, as I was reading through the Bible. After Tage died, I found that a lot of the writers of scripture um, would be a little more raw with God than, ju- that, you know, if they needed to be. Like, you know, how long, God, are you going to allow this injustice to happen? Or why is this happening to me? You know, those types of prayers. And, um, and, like these raw lamenting type prayers. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I started to pray that way. I, I felt this invitation that, okay, is it, is it not wrong to talk to God like this? You know, I'd always thought that it was. Um, but I discovered that in the, in being real and asking the questions and being angry and being sad, um, You know, that is what makes a true relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, if I hide my emotions from my husband, there will be no intimacy there, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there was this invitation to do that when I prayed as well. And it was in learning how to lament, how to pray, um, you know, my questions and my groanings that um, I really began to see and and sense the... um, The gentleness of God and the compassion of God and, um, you know, just the reminder that that he wasn't done with this story yet. You know, I was in the valley in those months. And, um, you know, but as I read the scripture, it it said that we would never stay in the valley. You know, that's for a season. Um, And so I had this hope that, okay, it won't always be like this. But right now it is. And I'm going to be honest with God about it.
0: Yeah. Do you look back now? So how long has it been since Tage died? Four years, five years, Um, six, six Six years, six years. Wow. Um, Do you look back now still and think, okay, my story I has been. I don't know if redeemed is the right word, but redeemed. Like I sure. I'm married to a wonderful man now. I have a a new baby now, and these wonderful stepdaughters. Um, But do you still wrestle with that? Like, why did that have to happen for this to happen?
1: Yes. You know, um, of course, you know, like I've said to my husband, why couldn't I have just married you first? You know, like, why did I have to go through all of that? Um, But I think some of it was my own choice. Um, I can say, you know, I... I probably rushed into my first marriage. Mm. Um, there were some like little whispers in my mind that maybe this isn't the person I should marry, but I was too afraid to be alone mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I just, I, I, you know, if I stopped it, then I'm alone. So, um, you know, I can be honest with myself about that now. Um, and so some of it was maybe my own doing. And so then when, if that's the case, then I feel mm. so much gratitude that I'm getting mm-hmm. to, to, to experience um with a man that i'm much more compatible with (laughs) and um you know and and so one of the things uh the the paul writes about is that god works all things together for good for the good of those who love him um according to his purposes and and so you know there's a lot of mystery still because it's according to god's purposes and i still sometimes am like lord but done all of this with my mom still here Mm. and with Tage still here. And, but at the same time, I look back and I see at the the person that I used to be and what I valued and what I, the things I didn't know about God yet. Um, And I like this version of me so much better. Um, And I just don't know if as human beings, you know, not much change is going to happen in us. Not much growth is going to happen in us if everything is peachy because we see no reason to change. We see no reason to, to look outside ourselves. We think that we're in control, you know, when, and, and we think we really are, which is, you know, a lie, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I like nothing that I had a plan for myself. Did I, uh, went as planned, you know, but, um, and so, but it was through the suffering and the pain um, that it refined me, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect now by any means. Um, I'm still growing and learning, but but there was a refining process in the pain that um, that I honestly wouldn't trade. I really wouldn't trade it. I cannot wait to see Tage again. Um, I can't wait to see my mom again, um, and. Life here is still hard sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but there is a foundation in my heart and soul now that wasn't there before that gives me hope and peace and encouragement and strength. And I am so grateful for that, that, um, that I can really, I, I can now say that the suffering was a gift in a way. And, um, I'm so grateful for what it did in, in me.
0: Do you ever struggle now with um, mundane struggles, like thinking like, you know, how if you have a hard day and uh, your baby now, Mac, how old is he? One and a half. So like, say you have a frustrating moment with him or, you know, life still happens, like your dishwasher breaks or silly things like that. And you get frustrated. Do you ever think like, what the heck? Like, how am I frustrated about this <laughs> tiny little thing when like I've been through a world of real pain?
1: Yes. So and and sometimes I can have the mindset of, okay, that's something little. Like uh-huh. that's nothing. No one's dying. Right. You know. Exactly. Um, but absolutely I get so annoyed at traffic or uh-huh. yeah. you know, like, yeah, when a toddler is screaming and you're like, I just need a minute, you know. Um so absolutely, there are still still such frustrations, but I also i I see my patience has grown a little bit more too, you know, um like okay, I can handle, yeah, I can handle this toddler because, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that he's here, yeah. you know um but but don't think for a second that I always think that way, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. i still I still get hung up on the little things too, like we all do,
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned when you, your first marriage, like when you went into the marriage, realizing later that you probably rushed into that. I think in Christian culture, especially that happens a lot. Um, right. Because we're like, kids are taught to save their themselves for marriage and not have sex before marriage. And you think, Oh, we got to get do this. We got to get married. And, you know, and I think that you see a lot of people getting married really young and, you know, 22, 23. And then realizing at 30, like, Oh, like this, I'm such a different person now than I was yeah. at that age. Um, and some stories, some people, some relationships, like it's great and it works out and it's wonderful or it's not wonderful and it's hard, but you know, you still go to counseling and figure things out. Um, But your story is not that. And you didn't jump, you didn't go into it too much when we just briefly touched on it, but your husband was doing things for a long time that you didn't know about. And um, yeah, I would just kind of love to hear you talk about when you realized like all the things that weren't true and all the things that were happening, you were being betrayed long before you lost age.
1: Yes. Um, and it, so it came as such a shock when I discovered um, things on email and social media and things like that. Um, and, but it made a lot of, it made sense too, because I had had questions in my marriage for so long. Like, why is our intimacy not what I'd always hoped, you know, what people talk about? Like, Mm -hmm. is everyone lying, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things too, where, um, you know, there were, there were hints now when I look back um, at, you know, some of his own experiences um you know just some lack of long-term relationships in his life that um i was willing to overlook because okay that's what a good christian does you know you give people a second mm-hmm. chance you forgive you you know clean slate and and he really uh you know his words were you know i'm i'm ready to to dive into this faith and you know um and so i thought we were on the same page um But, uh, you know, there were, I think there was maybe some addiction there that I just, Mm. I wasn't aware of. And, um, and, you know, ultimately that resulted in, um, a lot of betrayal over the years, but I had no idea, but it was then impacting our marriage in devastating ways. Um, and so there was actually a tiny bit of freedom, Mm. um, when I discovered the truth because uh, I'd been manipulated for a a long time and, you know, the, it was all me and that I was the problem, you know, and, but I felt like I was giving and giving and trying to learn and, you know, um, and so, you know, I think sometimes we are afraid to uncover those dark corners um, in marriages particularly, but um, the truth really does set us free And, um, and so, you know, I was, was devastated, but it really did. It helped make sense of some of the doubts and questions I'd had for our entire eight years of marriage. You know,
0: I could imagine that, that you would feel that sense of freedom because for so long you're thinking, what can I do? How can I fix this? Like, how can this be better? And you realize I can't, like there was nothing I personally could
1: have done. Right. And, you know, again, it's not that I, I am not a perfect wife. I was not perfect in the marriage, but, um, but the things that I was being told that, you know, where I wasn't enough or I wasn't good enough or, um, you know, all of a sudden the light came on and I was like, Oh, this actually isn't about what I can or can't do. Or, you know, it's, it's, there's addiction going on here. Mm -hmm. And, um, And so, um, there, there really was a freedom, um, in that, you know, with a lot of sadness, because that's again, not how I, in my life to go. And I didn't want the label divorced. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, again, I felt like, okay, God, I followed all of your rules. You know, why, why are you not, why did I not get a, a good loving husband, you know, but, but again, Um, it's so much more than the rules, the relationship with God, I think is so important. And he, he did try to tell me this is not the one, Mm. (laughs) but you know, I just went on ahead and, and got married. Um, so yeah. yeah.
0: So how do you, how did you come to terms with being okay with that label of divorce? I'm sure that it's an incredibly like scary thing, because you probably feel shame attached to that word, even if it's not by anything you would have chosen.
1: Right. Um, There absolutely was. The the worst part was if I ever had to, you know, check a box on a document Mm -hmm. or something, you know, that I am divorced, you know, that and we're we're just full of labels Mm -hmm. um, in our culture, you know, like we're so quick to be like, oh, are you married, single, Mm -hmm. divorced? Are you you know, Democrat, Republican, you know, we just, we love to put people in a box. And, mm. and I did not want to be in the box of divorce because it seemed like I had failed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I went to a lot of counseling, um, during that time. And, um, and one of the things my counselor was able to show me was, um, you know, yes, I'm not perfect, but in, but in this particular case, it really wasn't about me. Mm. Um, and so I, I, I did do the things that, um, you know, I tried really hard to, uh, keep our marriage and, um, but then ultimately after I discovered all of the, the just long string of betrayal, you know, I was like, you know what, I can let this go. I just, I just don't know if I can, can stay here and, and, uh, and he didn't want to, so it was, you know, easy, but, um, But it was, it was hard to, um, to, there were days when being divorced was a hard label to wear, but, but pretty quickly I, um, I started, you know, to realize with this counselor, you know, who, who am I as an individual, not as a codependent person, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was, it was helpful to, to really, for the first time in my life, um, I think, I maybe even had some codependency with my mom, you know, just needing her affirmation and needing her support. And, um, and so it, it was good to come to the place where, okay, I am, I'm good by myself, you know? Um, and, uh, and so then the label of divorced didn't sting as much, you know, because I knew I was more, I'm more than just simply a divorced woman, you know? Um, I'm um, all these other things too. Um, and so, um, eventually I, I can now say that I, I am divorced, but now remarried. Um, and, uh, and it doesn't sting as much.
0: That is such a powerful way to look at it. I'm more than that. And I think that pertains to being a mother. It pertains to being a business owner or, you know, a wife, a daughter, whatever it is. It's like, We can get so like singularly focused on certain pieces of our lives and um, should that piece be stripped from your life, you feel lost and you
1: have to remember that you're more than that. Yes. The word that I use in the book a lot is, you know, what what was my ultimate, you know, what did I have to have to be happy? Mm. And what I learned through this process is, you know, I thought that I had to have my mom near me. I had to be a wife. I had to be a mother. Um, And then when all of those things were stripped from me, it's like, well, who am I then? Um, And so that's where reading scripture helped me so much because God tells us you are loved. You are chosen by me. I have good work that I want you to do. You know, you are so much more than just these simple, labels that, um, that we love to put on each other. And, um, and so when I finally started to believe that, um, there was so much, so much healing in my heart.
0: Okay. So tell everybody how you met your husband who you are married to now.
1: Yes. Well, his name is Guy and, um,
0: I love that name by the way. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I I've, I only knew one other guy. Is it a he,
0: nickname? Like what's his, is that? No, it's his that, real name. Okay. Yeah. See, let me just interrupt really quick. I am obsessed with like naming kids and naming things. And um, we, I had this like infatuation with one of my kids naming them something like that. But I was like, you can't just name them guy or you can't just name them like, <laughs> buddy you know like i also love buddy or like you know Uh things like that um okay and so and then my fourth kid his name is sandy um and we were like well we can't just name him sandy so we named him william sandwell because my mother-in-law who passed away her maiden name is sandwell so we thought then we can use Sandy from Sandwell. So like now looking back, he's almost two. We're like, we could have just named him Sandy. Like that's what we knew yeah. we were going to call him.
1: Isn't that so funny? I know. Like we we do make up these big things in our heads. And names are important. Names are definitely important. Well, Guy's name is Guy because it's his uh, – Oh, gosh. I need to get this right, but I'll probably <laughs> botch it. Um, it's his – well, okay. Let me just say it's somebody's maiden name. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I, maybe my mother-in-law's, no, it's not maybe her mom. I think it's her mom's maiden name. Okay. Uh, last name was guy. And so, um, uh, but it's a great so, name. It is. I, I love it. Well, and what's funny, what's, what's been a challenge for my dad particularly is in our family, we would just call the males guy. Like, Oh, hey, guy. Like, hey, that. guy. Yeah. Like, instead of like, oh, hey, pu- buddy, buddy, hey, pal. You he <laughs> know, like, oh, hey, guy. You know, like, uh-huh. and, and so, uh, like, my brothers in law, until guy came along, I'd be like, hey, guy. You know, <laughs> but now That's we can't funny. say that. So, um, but he, uh, I did not know him. A friend of mine who I didn't know super well, but we had connected recently. And she, uh, I'm trying to think, I guess, I had been single for like nine months or something. And she was like, Molly, I cannot stop thinking about introducing you to this person. Like, and I feel dumb. Cause I know you haven't been single that long, but mm-hmm. I just, I feel like I have to. And so she's like, he, he lives in Kentucky and he's divorced and he has two girls. Um, and he is my high school ex-boyfriend. I love that part. And I was just like, no, like all of (laughs) those things. No, absolutely not. And so because, uh, I am a people pleaser that's trying to recover from that. I told her, I was like, sure. (laughs) But in my head I was like, no. So I was totally planning to, to dismiss him after a couple of days, you know? So we connect via Facebook messenger and, um, I am just really not interested, um, but he had been, you know, through a divorce as well, and um, he was not afraid to just be, you know, take our time and uh, pursued me, you know, and um, so we would talk over over Facebook um, for a couple weeks, and, you know, he'd be like, if you want to, you know, I, I can call you if it's easier, and I'm like, nope, uh. nope, you know, like I was kind of mad at at men at the time, you know, it was like, I'm, I'm not rushing into anything. I don't need no man, you know? So, um, anyway, we finally, you know, got to text and then phone call and, you know, all of this before I'd ever met him and, uh, you know, in face to face. And he now tells me, he's like, we would not have gotten together if, if we had not met that way, because he is an introvert mm. and the most kind and gentle man possible and funny, but he's like, you, you wouldn't, I would have never talked to you in Mm -hmm. person, you know? And so, um, because he's such a gift and, um, and we got to basically fall in love before we ever met face to face. And, um, and yeah, I just, I love him, love him so much.
0: I love that story. Isn't it crazy to think like I, I think about this sometimes, like if you met your husband, like before a certain time in your life, cause you, like he said, he wouldn't have talked to you. And like, maybe you wouldn't have realized that like he was the one that you needed to give the time of day to.
1: Yes. Right. And you know, like I I never thought I would be with someone who's quiet, you know, yeah. like I love to talk. I want someone to talk with me and he does talk with me, you know, but, um, it it just, it's, it's so interesting that, you know, the things that we think we need are often not the things that we need. And, um, and I just, he is a great partner. I think we balance each other out so well. And, um, again, we're not perfect. (laughs) We still are human, but, um, but he's a gift.
0: I'm sure the first argument was weird though, because you're, like you're in this like honeymoon phase where you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I fell in love with you over like Facebook messenger and texting and then calling till three in the morning. And then reality sets in and you're like, Oh yeah, like we still have our own things.
1: Yes. So, so I moved to Kentucky, um, and lived here for a while before we got married just to, you know, see what it would be like. And, um, and so when we were actually married and I officially became a stepmom, mm. um, you know, when we, when we dated, he would drive to Indy and it was just the two of us. And it was, you know, like other dating relationships I'd had long ago, you know. Um, but then once I got here and, and we were married and I all of a sudden have two children too, but. We're still newlyweds, you know, Mm -hmm. and there are just a lot of, a lot of things to work out. And I'd been living alone in an apartment and everything was organized just so, you know, and, and now we have these two beautiful, uh, wonderful children, but who make messes and have, (laughs) uh, you know, their own plans and their own schedules. And, um, and so there was just, I, I cried a lot and, um, but it was so, I'm so glad that he was it was okay with tears you know as i was adjusting to that new role and to a new town a new state and new everything basically um but you know seeing how he um supported me you know when i was was crying about this new role of being a stepmom for instance you know and and he was just such a good listener and encourager and i was like okay i can do this i can do this with him uh, you know, cause we are, we're a team in it. And, um, but yeah, it was a hard adjustment at first.
0: Yeah. And a title that you probably didn't foresee, you know, years yes. ago.
1: Right. Being. Like, no, I don't really believe any, any person dreams of being a step parent. You know, okay. that's not, that's not our plan A. Um, and, And it is a challenging role for sure, Um, you know, because any blended family, there are a lot of, of, you know, everybody kind of comes with baggage to that situation. Um, And so it takes a lot of compassion and a lot of sacrifice. um, But there is some really beautiful fruit that can come from it, too.
0: Yeah. Did it scare you knowing that he was divorced as well? It got that big D word on him as well.
1: Right. And so part of our conversations, um, when we were dating, you know, we really, neither of us wanted to go through that again. You know, Mm -hmm. um, both of us didn't want to ever get divorced. And so, uh, we were very, uh, deliberate with the, with asking each other about the history of those relationships and what happened and, you know, what, what are we going to do differently? And, Mm um, uh, you know, I was, I felt certain when I married him that again, we would not be the ones, um, filing for divorce, you know, like, Mm um, and you know, but again, I also learned that I, I still can't hold up marriage as the ultimate, you know, and I really am loving just the word gift these days that, you know, and our, our spouses and our friends and, and everything that we have really is a gift. And if we, if we hold it too tightly, if we, if we can't unclench our fingers from it, um, it's going to suck all the joy out. But if we can hold it with an open hand and just enjoy it, then more gifts can be put into our hand, you know? Um, and so, um, I think one of the, one of the gifts of having been married before is that we know what we want to do this time and what we don't want to do this time.
0: Mm. What's the best thing about being a stepmom?
1: I think just getting to have influence in someone's life mm. that you know I I I don't have to be their mom, you mm. know, like I don't have to be their mom. They have a mom and they love her. You know, Um, I get to just be another uh, hopefully encouraging positive role model woman in their life that, you know, they can grow from, learn from. Um, And, and we have great developing friendships too. You know, right now they're um, 11 and 14. And, um, you know, so I think, you know, we've come a long way in three years and I am excited to see, you know, what our relationships look like, you know, when they're adults too, you know, um, but they really, they've really taught me a lot.
0: Yeah. That is, that is really cool. That is, I love that. I love that answer. Um, okay, Molly, what's your message to anybody walking through grief, loss, Um, anything, any of these hard, hard things that we walk through?
1: I would say that there is beauty and growth that can come, uh, in the hard seasons. And one of the things I've learned about grief is, you know, it it has to be dealt with, and so we can either choose to dive in and feel the feelings and get counseling, um, and and ultimately I think find some healing a little quicker than if we don't do those things, you know. Um, but there really is just a beautiful refining that can happen. It can it can change um, so much about us and our priorities. Um, and you know, I, I, um, well, I guess that's all I'll say. Uh, when we were talking
0: about names, I meant to ask, and I was going to ask earlier too, and I forgot, tell us where
1: Tage's name came from. So my mom, uh, is of Swedish heritage. And so to honor her, uh, we were going to do some sort of a Swedish name, and um, so his name in Swedish is pronounced Taga, but of course, no one would ever pronounce that <laughs> here, so we just decided to pronounce it tage. Um, but it means a new day. A new day. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? And, you know, at the time, I was like, oh, that's kind of a, a cool meaning, but I, I mean, we had no idea, of course, um, what was coming, but...
0: yeah. Last night, I forget if I mentioned this on the recording, Did, or was this in the recording when I talked about my arm getting bit? Did I talk about that? Oh,
1: you. <laughs> I don't remember if it was in the recording or just in our conversation. Okay.
0: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it as if it wasn't. Okay. Um, last night after, oh yeah, because we were talking about Alexa. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, last night after the hard night that I had with my my kids before the fun started. Um, I was just kind of weepy and just like feeling like, Oh, what am I doing wrong? Like, why are people disrespecting me and, you know, all these things with the kids? And one thing I do say to my kids all the time is tomorrow's a new day. Hmm. And last night my my oldest, it like almost makes me weepy thinking that he knew to say that to me. That's what he said to me. He goes, new day tomorrow, mom.
1: Oh, And I'm like, he's soaking up what you're saying.
0: Yeah. And it's just that's like we amazing. were talking about earlier, like what will they remember? Of course they're going to remember that we yelled sometimes and things like that. But if he can remember to tell me that tomorrow's a new day, who else is he going to say that too? So, yes. um, how, how cool is it that that's what Tage's name means?
1: That is really cool. That's, I like that. I love
0: that. Uh, well, everybody needs to go get the book. The moon is round. What does that mean, too? What does the moon is round? What does that mean?
1: So, the subtitle of the book is um, a true story of extraordinary loss, grief, and the fight for faith. And um, when in Tages' funeral service, um, our friend and pastor told this story of a girl who was, who died from leukemia. Um, she was a teenager and her parents, you know, after she died, um, you know, were looking through her journals and things like that. And they kept seeing this repetitive phrase, the moon is round. And they were like, what does she mean by that? And, um, eventually they figured out it was kind of her, her way to give herself hope, um, that the moon is round, you know, even if it's, a dark night, even if we only see a crescent of it, it's still round. Um, and God is good, even in our darkness, even when we can't see him. Um, and so, you know, I'm, my hope is when people read this book, that um, that it will give comfort to their pain, uh, hopefully encourage them. Uh, they might cry a little, they might laugh a little, Um, But ultimately, just to remember that even on our darkest nights, the moon is round and God is good.
0: That's so good. Um, I'm curious about the book publishing side of things, because as you know, my sister wrote a book, so I kind of like watched her walk through all that. And you are just a badass and went on and self-published this. So I want to (laughs) hear about that process. I'm sure it was
1: so hard. (laughs) It was it was so hard, and thank you for calling me a badass because <laughs> no one has called me that. Well, you are ever in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, truth be told, i was I worked really hard to try to get a traditional publisher um, and you know, you have to have a literary agent to do that. And so, after a couple of years i I finally you know, got my stuff together and I got a literary agent. Um, and as he was trying to pitch it to publishers, they just kept saying, you know, you don't have a a large enough platform Mm -hmm. and it's memoir and memoir just isn't selling right now. Um, whereas literally like a couple years prior memoir was selling like hotcakes. And so it's like just a timing thing too, you know, and I was so discouraged. And finally the, the, literary agent was like, well, Molly, um, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't able to sell it. You know, we're done here basically. (laughs) And, uh, I was so discouraged and I just, I felt like a failure. And, um, but I, so I just kind of put on hold and moped around for a while. And eventually, um, a friend of mine was like, well, have you ever thought about self-publishing? And quite honestly, like, I was like, yeah, that's what the dumb people do when they can't get <laughs> a publisher and I'm not going to self publish. Cause you know, what would that say about me? Um, but she's like, well, one of my friends self published her first book, and then, um, it did well enough that she kind of took that as proof to a publisher of how hard she worked and then published a second book. And so I talked to that friend of hers and she told me her process, um, uh, self publishing and, and what she did. And, um, And then she had just gotten, you know, picked up for the second book with a traditional publisher. So I talked to a guy about it and I was like, I don't know. Like, what do you think? He's like, I think if you want to do it. We should do it. Mm -hmm. And, but my pride was still in the way. I was just Mm -hmm. like, I know, like I don't want to be the dummy who had to self publish. Um, but then one day something just switched in me and it was like, you know what, if this book sells, 12 copies, 12 people. Uh, great. And like I, what I have learned through all this is I don't want to control my life anymore. Mm-hmm. My plans never work. And I think God's <laughs> plans are always better. And why, how long it's taken me to learn to just trust him with that. And so I, I was like, okay, God, I will self-publish this book and you can do what you want with it. And I'm going to in me that wants to be able to say that it's a traditional publisher. And, um, and so we did it and it was a lot of money. Like I don't have any marketing people and I I hired editors out of pocket and a cover designer out of pocket. Um, but he has, he's really kind of just led us step by step, um, through the process. And, uh, you know, I have received comments from people about how it has helped them. And, um, you know, so now I'm like, all right, it's out there. It's doing what it's supposed to do. And, um, and I can let go. So.
0: I love the message behind all of that because it's a common feeling to think, oh, well, if I'm not doing it the way that like the glamorous way, the glamorous way is to have a
1: book publisher. Yes. Somebody who's like marketing for you and, you know, getting events going for you and stuff. So yeah, there hasn't been any glamor behind it, but it's been so good, you know, just, um, and you know, I really felt like a call to write this Mm -hmm. book. Like, and, um, and so, um, you know, God doesn't lie. So whatever, whatever he wants to do as far as using it, it's great. And, um, and it, 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 ha- it has been great. And if, if we, if it tapers out, that's fine. But um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you, I mean, is writing about everything you walked through that I'm assuming is therapeutic, but also do you just love to write? Like, do you want to write more about other things as well? Cause you're a good writer.
1: Thank you. Um, I didn't really real, like I've always enjoyed writing. I didn't really realize how much I really enjoyed it until Tate, because, uh, we did a caring bridge page Mm. and, um, I knew, you know, that people that I loved were reading this. And so, um, you know, I would give the medical updates, but hope into it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed doing that. I love encouraging people and giving them hope. I just love that. And so um you know people people kind of started saying like you should start a, a blog or something, you know, just keep writing. Um and so it's just it's so weird how it happened because I never really thought that this is what something I'd be doing. Um and so I I I would love to get to keep writing. I'd love to be able to write another book. Um and I do love speaking. I travel a little bit to churches and conferences and things like that, different groups and, um, and speak and, um, and I, and I really love that. So, but again, I am to the point now where I'm just kind of holding everything loosely, mm-hmm. like, yes, this is what I'd like to do. And, um, and I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. So we'll see.
0: It's wild. I'm sure launching a bu- book like right smack dab in the middle of not being able to travel and do book tours and things like that. It's crazy.
1: It was crazy. And like you said, you know, self-publishing is already non-glamorous. And then like, to be like, what, I can't even have a book signing. Like, yes, you know, I can't have like this big book release launch party. And, you know, like some of my friends have, you know, family members who are immunocompromised and, you know, they right. couldn't be around all that. Um, and so it was, you know, there was, there was some loss there, you know, not getting to do it how I'd always dreamt but but it was still good. We still celebrated.
0: Yeah. I love that the book the chapters um move quick. Like I love books like that because you like you're like okay, I'm going to read one more. I'm going to read one more and then you're like <laughs> I'm going to go do this but you're like but it's just three more pages. Like I feel like I fly through books way more when they read like that.
1: Well, one of the reasons that I made the chapters so short is because I remember when I was grieving pretty intensely, like you just don't have the mm. emotional and physical energy to read a lot, mm-hmm. you know? And so uh, my hope is that um, if someone is grieving and reading it, that they, okay, I can, I can read one chapter, mm. you know, they're so short. Um, but then, but too, like, then it's like, well, okay, maybe I can do one more, you know? So. Mm,
0: it's so good. What, speaking of books, we'll roll into end of podcast questions. What's the best, most recent book you've read?
1: I, so now that my son is a year and a half old, I am struggling to find mm. time to read. And this is a new problem for me. Um, so I haven't gotten to read a ton of books in 2020. Um, but one that was very short that has made a big impact um, is by Jerry Bridges and it's called The Blowing. And Sorry, what's um, it called? You cut out. Ooh, Uh, it's called the blessing of humility. Okay. And, you know, in a culture that is like so focused on making it to the top Mm. and being seen and, you know, being heard and having your voice and your opinions heard, you know, and it's all about how Jesus was the opposite. You know, he wasn't this weak man. He's actually choosing strength by being quiet, you know, um, and so it's all about humility, which I I chose not to read it for a long time because I didn't want to be convicted to change. <laughs> um, but it's really good.
0: So good. I love that. Who's someone um, that's doing good work in the world that you would like to highlight on the Illuminate podcast?
1: Yes. Well, so some of my favorite little people in the world um, have – Down syndrome. And so I have loved cheering on Gigi's Playhouse, um, which is now a national organization, but there are local chapters, um, and their, their goal is to, um, you know, just normalize Down syndrome. And, um, I love the ways that they remind us that, you know, people with Down syndrome are people and, um, you know, just that I, I don't know, I just I'd love um the the joy and the laughter and all that goes on there and the ways that they support um people with Down syndrome and their families.
0: Okay, Molly, and what is your one message to send to the world?
1: My one message would be that no matter what you see going around in your life, that God is good. And he loves you.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Molly, for coming on the podcast. I so enjoyed hearing your story and your book was amazing. You all go grab Molly's book, The Moon Is Round. Check her out on Instagram, Molly M. Huffman. You all can find The Illuminate Podcast on Instagram. We are The Illuminate Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter illuminate underscore pod. We're also on Facebook as well. The illuminate podcast, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. If you enjoyed this episode or any episode for that matter, and take a screenshot and share it with your friends on social media. That is one of the best ways new listeners will find the show. All right, friends, I hope you're having a great day and we'll see you next Wednesday on the illuminate podcast.